Well, praise the Lord and welcome to Cross Time with Pastor Curtis here on this beautiful, rainy Monday morning here at Crossway Church in the studio in Queen City, Texas. Glad you're with us wherever you are and whatever day you found us on social media. I know if you're watching live right now, you're watching on the Crossway Church Queen City, Texas Facebook page. And you probably already know that you can go and find just an a, a, a boatload of never-ending sermons and teaching sessions on the YouTube channel, Curtis Hutchinson 316. And I pray that God would stir your heart to be hungry enough for the truth to go and subscribe to that YouTube channel. Again, it's Curtis Hutchinson 316. And uh, there's so much on there that God would pour into your heart and so uh, the truth of his word that uh, you'd be busy from now till Jesus comes. And I do. I encourage you to go and check those things out if you're interested in learning the truth of God's word and the focus of our Lord and the focus he has for us to be focused and to have clarity. And uh, he's just doing a lot of great things in these last days wherever he can find his people once again uh, gathered around the sacrificial work of his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. And I'm just so thankful to be one of those people in these last days. Our study is in Second Peter. We are about to step into the last chapter, chapter 3, of the second and last letter that Peter would write. So I hope you would get your Bibles today, follow along with us as we get ready to uh, dig in here and allow the Holy Spirit to uh, impart the truth into our hearts and open our eyes even greater and guide us further into more truth. Uh, uh, don't forget about the website, thecrosswaychurch.com. You can give at the website to the ministry. You can click on the store icon and see the commentaries there. Uh, Sister Angel Peace's uh, music CD is there. And I pray that you would uh, be stirred enough to go and look at those things there because I promise you they will only help you. They will only help you in this journey with the Lord. So, praise the Lord. Again, this is 2 Peter chapter 3, part 1 on this 30th day of October 2023. So let's dig in this morning. Peter says as he prepares to write the last few lines into this last letter that he would ever write, that we are aware of anyway, that's in the Bible, he would say the second epistle, beloved, I now write unto you in both, meaning the first epistle and this epistle, in both which I stir up your pure minds by way of remembrance. What a powerful statement that is that our Lord through Peter can reveal to us that our minds can be stirred up by remembering. Isn't that powerful? And it's really more powerful than I believe we can grasp a hold of because the church of Sardis in Revelation chapter 3 is commanded by Jesus through John to repent and to return to the place where they heard 
and received, where they received and heard to the, to the hearing and receiving place. And there's only one of those. There's, it's not different for anybody. It's the same for all Christians, ever Christian. There's only one hearing place and one receiving place, and it's the place you first heard and first received. Again, let me say that. It, it, it is. I do not believe that Christians even believe that. I don't think so for a minute. Not very many. Uh, most Christians think that they can just hear anything and, and they can just receive any way. And the Bible says that you must hear and receive the same way you heard and received in the beginning. You read Galatians 3, you'll find out very quickly that unless you're still functioning in the hearing of faith, you've moved away from grace. That's what the Bible teaches us in Galatians, the whole letter of Galatians, especially chapters 3 and 5. <clears throat> so if we move away from the place that we're no longer hearing and receiving, and again, there's only one place. It's a heart yielded to the obedience of Christ where we're serving that obedience unto His righteousness, the righteousness He was made unto us through His work on Calvary's cross. When we move away from that focus and when we begin to teach God's Word outside of touching that focus, when we think we're receiving through some other avenue, some other focus, then, my friends, we are not hearing and we are not receiving. And the only thing that God is offering us is an opportunity to repent and get back to the place we hear and receive. So this is a powerful statement that Peter makes that he's writing to us in the first epistle and this epistle so that our minds may be stirred up. Not only just our minds, he says that our pure minds may be stirred up by way of remembrance. So that, 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 that is very powerful. See, the minister's real ministry is for the Christian, to the Christian, is to continually remind them of who Christ is in them and who they are in Him because of what He did on Calvary's cross. Not any other reason, my friend. Not any other reason. Not any other focus. When the focus becomes anything other than the Lamb and His work on Calvary's cross, then whatever we've made the focus, we won't be able to experience, such as when we begin to teach on faith or prayer or healing or anything, and, and there's nothing wrong with teaching on pray, prayer, faith, or healing and the gamut of other things that are in the Bible, but when we teach them over here with the cross over there, then we are not going to experience these things because we're just teaching what the Bible says, but the avenue of hearing comes through faith, and that's the faith of the Son of God, the hearing of faith. Make no mistake about it. When the Bible teaches, when Jesus teaches us that he who has more will be given, he's talking about hearing, yes, but he's talking about the hearing of faith. 
that we began in, the place we heard, the avenue, the context by which we heard and received. Get this now, in Galatians chapter 3, and this is of utmost importance, utmost importance. Galatians chapter 3, the Lord through Paul tells the church in Galatia, or rather he asks them a question that is really a statement. He says, did you receive the Spirit of God by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? And he relates the hearing of faith to them hearing the gospel, the message of the cross, and by faith seeing Christ crucified. They weren't there when he was crucified, these Gentile Galatians, but when they heard the gospel, the Bible says there in Galatians chapter 3 verse 1, that it was as if Christ was evidently crucified before them. That's how real the truth of Calvary became to them in their heart. And when they believed it, they received the Spirit of God. So there's no other place to receive anything unless you're still hearing the one thing that allowed you to receive the one person of the Holy Spirit that is going to be responsible for that point from right that point further into applying everything that you'll receive. But it must come through the same hearing and avenue receiving place that you began. Let me say it this way this morning. There's only one shipping and receiving dock with God. Hallelujah. There's only one shipping and receiving, only one dock where you receive and where you order, where you offer to God. Where we call that shipping. Whether you worship God, you pray to God, you give to God, it's through that one door that He reached out through for you and brought you into. He won't accept anything. He won't work any work that He's not working through that door. You're not going to hear Him properly. You're not going to function with Him properly unless you're hearing Him through the faith of Christ, through what faith in what Christ did in his death on Calvary's cross. So many people over the last couple, five, four or five years have preachers should know better say, well, why don't we just let prayer be about prayer and let the cross be about the cross? My friend, there's nothing in God's word that cannot be, uh, that can be obtained by men without the Holy Spirit. And the same way we receive the Holy Spirit is the exact and exclusive way we will receive anything the Holy Spirit is doing. He came into our lives one way and he only works in our lives one way. Ho, 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 that's good, isn't it? And you know it's true because of Romans chapter 8 verse 2. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death, speaks of Calvary's cross and what Christ there did. Hallelujah on that cross. Hallelujah. Psalms 33 and 4, I've shared this. Most preachers don't like it, but I love it. Hallelujah, because it's in the Word of God. Psalms 33 and 4. For the Word of the Lord is right. I'm not right, but God's Word always is. <coughs> the Word of the Lord is right. And all, somebody say all this morning. Hallelujah. All His works are done in truth. 
if all God's works are done in truth, and they are to the Bible believers, those who have a spirit-taught heart, who won't try to change the meaning of what God has written, but those who have a spirit-taught heart will have to come to grips in the reality with an honest heart of admitting that if all God's works, all God's works are done in truth, then outside of truth, you're not going to find God at work. Hallelujah. Those who believe the Bible, most don't today, but if those those that will have a spirit-taught heart, who are those who believe the Bible remains true today, ever jot and tittle, we live by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God, as long as we're hearing it in the context of the death of Jesus, the blood he shed, because although we live by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God, the life that we find through every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God, is only found in the blood. The life is in the blood. Leviticus 17, 11, Deuteronomy 12 and 23 says, the blood is the life. Hallelujah. So if I'm going to live by any word that proceeds out of the mouth of God, it's got to be that voice that's speaking from heaven through the blood, Hebrews 12, 24, and 25, that voice that speaks from heaven through the blood, that's how the word of God is, all his words are in righteousness, Proverbs 8 and 8. Oh, that's a powerful scripture that you desperately need to know and hold dear in your heart. The Holy Spirit will, will put it before you at all times if you will hang on to it. He's not going to chain it around your neck. He's going to offer you the opportunity, the potential to walk in these truths. And if you will, he will continue to add to the hearing of faith. He will continue to pour into you and you can receive if you're receiving on that one receiving dock, we'll call it. You know, like a warehouse, the shipping and receiving dock, the incoming and the outgoing. You know, these big distribution centers, Target and Walmart and Dollar, they all got these big distribution centers now where there's incoming and outgoing. There's receiving and there's shipping. That's the way it is in our hearts. We, we receive and we offer. We, we receive and we ship out, so to speak. We offer God, we pray to God, we give to God, we labor for God, but only, it's, it's only accepted if it's, if it's coming in through the receiving first and then outgoing. And if you didn't hear yesterday's message, my friend, and last Sunday's message, go listen to the first one first. If you do, God will offer you something very, very wonderful. You can know where God is working, what God is working, and where He's working and what He's working if allowed by you then the outflow of that, we call that the receiving and the shipping or the offering or the expression. If you know what God is working and where he's working and you allow him to do that through your faith in the sacrifice of Christ, then the expression, what comes out, will be the 
the very expression of the life of Christ. Go listen to those messages. I can honestly say you desperately need to hear them. You desperately need to know. You don't have to wonder what God's doing any longer. The Bible tells us what He's doing, where He's doing it, and what the result and what it looks like when He's allowed to do it. That's a, it's so wonderful and beautiful and powerful. So you have to always remember this, and that's what Peter's saying here. I'm, I'm writing the first epistle, this epistle, to stir up your pure minds by way of remembrance that you may be mindful... That means so you'll keep it on your mind. You won't let everything else come in and flood you out of what should be on your mind. He says that you may be mindful of the words which were spoken before by the holy prophets. You see, what was written in the Old Testament is still good for us to be reading, studying, learning. But what we're studying now and learning from the Old is Christ, is Christ. Hallelujah. There, do you know there are entire groups, groups of people, denominational groups of people that don't even read out of the Old Testament? You, you, some, you, you, listen, I'm bewildered many times by, by man and, and how wise we think we are. You know, I, I'm talking about all of us. We, we think we're so wise men who will come along and, and, and say we don't need to read out of the Old Testament anymore because we're not under the Old Testament anymore. And the last part of that statement is true. We're not under an old covenant. It's not our covenant. We're under a new covenant that's found in the blood of Jesus. But Peter here writes... In the New Testament writings, having the, the authority by the Lord Jesus Christ himself to write what we can call the Word of God, we can call our Bible, hallelujah, God's Word. And he says, I want you to be mindful. I want you to remember. I want with your pure minds you to remember and stay mindful of those things that were spoken before by the holy prophets. Now, so you've come too late to tell me we don't need to be studying, reading, and learning from the old covenant. The old covenant was all type and shadow, yes, but it was type and shadow of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, what he would do at Calvary and all that would provide for us. So when we look back at what used to be type and shadow and still is to Israel because they're dying and filling hell up by the drove, even right now. I mean, our hearts go out to the, the nation of Israel and what's happening to them, but make no mistake about it. We wouldn't want that to happen to anybody. Let me say that again. We wouldn't want that to happen to anybody, but... It's happening to Israel for the most part, for the main reason it's happening to Israel because the blood of Jesus is on their hands and not their hearts. Come on, somebody. They declared that themselves. Let his blood be on our head, our hands, whatever they said. And it has been ever since they crucified him. Uh, let's, let me tell you something, folks. Let me say it again to make sure you understand. I pray for Israel more than a few times 
now especially because of what's going on over there because that is still God's nation of people. Jerusalem is where God's name is stamped. It's where Christ will come in his own body of flesh and reign as a man for a thousand years and all God's people will reign from there with him. But ever since Israel rejected Christ, every one of those Jews, Israelites, uh, that have not received Christ as Lord and Savior when they died, they went to hell. They are not dying and going to heaven. God does not have a second way for them. They will have to recognize Him as who He is if they will go to heaven. And unfortunately, almost all of Israel now they're not recognizing Him and are not accepting Him as Lord of Lords and King of Kings, as the one who came to die to forgive them of their sin. They're still looking for the Redeemer. And believe me, the Redeemer is coming back for them, but it won't be until after they've accepted a false Redeemer who will not redeem them. The one who came from heaven in, 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 in His Father's power and authority, they rejected the one who came in, in his father's name, they rejected, but one who comes in his own name. Jesus said they will receive him first. But praise God, there is coming a day, Zechariah chapter 13 and 14 revealed this, and even more in the old covenant, that there will come a day, they will recognize him, they will accept him, and he will save all of them in that day. Paul wrote about that in Romans chapter 11. And the day is, is ahead of us. It's coming. But I'm telling you, you've got to accept Christ. The Old Covenant, let's get back to our point. The Old Testament, don't get rid of the Old Testament. The main reason is because Jesus said the Scriptures, and He was talking about Genesis through Malachi when He said that. There wasn't any new writings when He said that. But the Scriptures testify of Him. Come on, somebody. We're learning Christ. If it's not Christ you're learning, well, then you don't need the Old Testament. But you do need the Old Testament and the New Testament writings if you are learning Christ. Now, most of what's being learned today in the church is probably not Christ. Uh, to be learning Christ is to be in the experience and expression of Christ, not my denominational uh, different rules and regulations and not my denominational that makes me this and makes me that. And We've all got our own little cliches and all that wickedness in God's eyes is all it is if it's not faith in the blood of the Lamb and the message of the blood of the Lamb and the declaration of the testimony of God, which is the blood of the Lamb, the, the, the Lamb of God, anything that's not attached to the, to the cross of Christ is not receivable by men from God. Let me say that again. Anything that's not attached to, to, to the, the revelation of the cross of Christ is not receivable from the Holy Spirit by men. Remember what we said earlier, the receiving place and the hearing place is only the heart that's yielded to Calvary's cross. The obedience of Christ unto the righteousness of Christ. Romans 6.16, the only other avenue 
Uh, let me say that again. The only other avenue is to be serving the sin nature unto death, a non-fruit-bearing place. So you must, you must remain in the place you heard and received initially or it will just be a lot of entertainment by men, wisdom of men. Let me say it again. It will only be entertainment by men, wisdom of men. The preaching of the cross is the power and the wisdom of God to us who are saved. Watch Peter, he says, that you may be mindful of the words which were spoken before by the holy prophets and of the commandment of us, the apostles of the Lord and Savior. See, here we see two things very beautiful, that old covenant scriptures are still for us and that the Lord Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, gave these apostles the authority to write on his behalf. Do you see that? Let's read it again. I don't like going fast through the scriptures. We give the Lord time to impart and engraft these beautiful truths that we desperately need in our hearts so that our feet can be in the truth. Hallelujah. That you may be, that I may be, and that's how it has to be. It has to be personal, my friend, that I may be mindful of the words which were spoken before by the holy, the holy prophets. That means the touch of God and God's holiness was upon them, speaking through them, and of the commandment of us, Peter and the apostles, of the Lord and Savior. The commandment that's of us, the apostles, that's of the Lord and Savior. See, he they only wrote on his behalf. What the apostles wrote, they received the authority from Christ to write. So what we receive in the new covenant writings of these men that walked with Christ and that knew Christ and even the apostle Paul that was called by Christ and sent to us Gentiles, they had the authority and no more after them. You got to be careful with that. No more after them has the authority to write anything on behalf of the Lord Jesus Christ. You can write books Teachers can write books to help us understand what's been written, but when you add to what's written after what's in our Bibles, my friend, you're going to found the plagues written in the book added to your lives. I believe it's a, a, a big reason for a lot of sickness among those in the body of Christ. A lot of sickness, a lot of plagues, a lot of diseases. You can't add to the Word, my friend. When you try to add to the Word, you're trying to change God. The Bible says in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. John 1, 1 and 2. When we try to change the Word, we're trying to change God even though we'd say we weren't and even though we don't know we are. When we try to change the Word, we're trying to alter a God that cannot be altered. He cannot be changed. He, he is unmovable, unchangeable. He cannot change. Hallelujah. 
Glory be to God. He is an unmovable rock of our eternal salvation. Glory be to God. You're not going to change Him. He sent His Son to get rid of the old you and to keep growing the new you. Hallelujah. So we, we, we had to cover this. And it lets us know something that I didn't even plan on talking about this morning, but that the Scriptures, old and new, have the authority of God through Christ for us. You can count on the Word of God. You can count on the Word of God. I was telling uh, my wife, Sister Robin, this morning, the Lord ministered to me last night. Overnight, the Lord ministered to me and, and, and was revealing to me that you don't have any absolute guarantee promise from God that he's going to do anything on the outside. He may heal your body and he may not heal your body. He may use you to heal and then again tomorrow, he may not use you to heal. There was a man you can read in the Bible that Paul, who God had used to work miracles through, to, to bring healing to physical bodies that were sick or lame, Paul had to leave a man behind in Miletus because he was sick. Well, why couldn't Paul just pray for him and lay hands on him and raise him up? Because it's not by our will but by the Spirit of God. It's by God's will. You, the, listen, he, here's what the Lord ministered to me. You can fight it, you can buck it, you can kick against it, but it's just those who do are just living in a big world of make-believe and faith that's not really Bible faith. God does what He does when He wants to, because it's a part of his divine wisdom and plan, because everything he does is attached to a, a million other things. So the promises that we have that we can count on without doubt is what he's doing on the inside of us. He may, if I get sick, he might heal me, or I, he might, he might just go ahead and take me on to glory. Do you understand that? But what he's doing in me is a guarantee. I, I can know for sure that I don't have to wonder today if, if, he'll, if, I, if I have peace, if I have joy, if, if he'll strengthen me in my inner man with his mind. I don't have to, I don't have to die. Anything inner is a guaranteed reality if I'll keep my faith anchored in the sacrifice of Christ. But anything outwardly, he might give me a house to live in. He might give me a car to live in. He might give me a little ministry in a storefront. He might give you a ministry that's world-renowned. No, no, he... You, you listen, what is in the natural that we can see on the outside over here, he may not do that over here. The guaranteed, the guarantees we have of what we know God is going to do is the inner work 
where He's working and changing us, and it will have expression greatly on the outside, but all this, all these great swelling words of promise of what God's going to do and God's going to give you this and God's going to give you that, this house, that car, that truck, that job, man, you ain't got a clue. And to keep living in all that, those great swelling words with empty promises, it just causes the child of God to... to, 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 to be weary that, well, they got that, but how come God ain't gave it to me? We need to look where God's working, and that's on the inside. Hallelujah. You can be, listen, let me say it again. You can declare and decree all you want to, and preachers are doing that every week, and Christians are piled up on top of each other, paying preachers to tell them what God's going to give them in the natural, to tell them what God's going to, how much money, how how rich they're going to be, and how all these things that they ain't got a clue about. They ain't got a clue about, but boy, it sure sounds good. It sure sounds good. And boy, they put on a good (coughs) entertaining show. What we need to get back to is preaching the one message that allows God to go to work so that he can continue the work and then one day finish what he started in us. Hallelujah. Glory be to God. Because we all got the same thing going on in us if our faith is right and it's producing the same things in us and through us if our faith is right. But you ain't got a clue what God's going to do over here. You ain't got a clue what God's going to do over here. That's why most people that whatever God blesses them with, after the fact, they say, yeah, God told me he was going to do that. Why didn't you tell everybody God said God told you he was going to do that before he did it? Boy, it sounds real good, though, when you start saying, well, God told me five years ago he was going to do that, you know, and all this stuff. Listen, what we need to do is preach the cross because when people's hearts yield to that truth of what Christ did at Calvary, they're going to be experiencing the emphatic, concrete, absolute truth in their hearts that produce the same thing outward love, joy, peace, goodness, gentleness, long-suffering, peace, all the fruit of the Holy Spirit, hallelujah. Man, but you've come too late to try to tell me anything God's going to do outside in the natural because you ain't got the first iota of a clue, preacher. You ain't got the power. You don't know that. But it sounds good and it pays good. Hallelujah. What we need to do is get back to the Word and let the living Word work in us and be expressed through us. Hallelujah. Second Peter chapter 3, here we are. Let's move on now, verse 3. Knowing this first, that there shall come in the last days, knowing this first, and this, and this, my friend, is the last thing Christians won't even talk about. It's the last thing they won't talk about. Scoffers. Well, who's the scoffers? I don't know any. My friend, let's read this carefully today. Let's try to stay on track here today and see who scoffers are and what they're doing. 
Knowing this first, that there shall come in the last days, and we're here, we're here, we're not just in the last days, we're right here, the last days that we're in, they about to, they come into a climax, I hope you know that, but this word scoffers, it means mockers, it means mockers, do you know it says they're walking after their own lust. They're walking according to their own lust. Do you think, do you think that's just outside the church? That's just people out there outside the church? My friend, there are mockers in the church who are living according to their own lusts. They're not living their lives as though they're waiting and looking and waiting on their Savior to come for them with oil in their lamps. And they're waiting to hear their, their husband, <coughs> the Lord Jesus Christ, call out to them. <coughs> Titus chapter 2 says if you're living by grace, that's part of what grace does. It's got you looking for your Savior. Hallelujah. Scoffers are, are not just, and we'll see a part of what they're doing, but a scoffer is going to do the same thing that the, those people did in Israel when Moses went up the mountain to get the Ten Commandments, the law from the Lord. And but, but while he was up on the mountain, the people of Israel started scoffing. They started mocking. Well, where is he? We don't know where he's at. We don't know what's happened to him. Look how long it's been. Watch this now. Knowing this first, that there shall come in the last days scoffers walking after their own lusts. Uh-huh. So what did they, what, what did, before we move on, what did those people of Israel who had been brought out of Egypt by the mighty hand of God when they put blood on the doorpost, they knew the way they got out of Egypt. What had they done? They built a golden calf now and said, Come tomorrow, let us have a feast unto the Lord. We'll worship the Lord. But they had that golden calf sitting right by the altar. And that was a mixture. God don't allow it. He don't allow it. Wherever there's a mixture, eventually, that which is causing the mixture is going to have to be ground up and drank by, by the ones who built it, by the ones who have been for the mixture. So when we read this, let your minds go back to what happened that day when they were just throwing a big party and party in the name of the Lord, but trying to worship through a golden calf that they built, that they built. Watch now, verse 4, And these scoffers who are walking after their own lusts, these mockers, they're saying, where's the promise of his coming? For since the fathers, the fathers, the fathers, they know who, we know who we're talking about now. The fathers of Israel. The fathers of Israel. For since the fathers fell asleep, meaning since they died, all things continue as they were from the beginning of the creation. Hope you're looking at this in your Bibles. These mockers, they've grown weary of waiting on the Lord, so now they're just living according to their own lust. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Have you ever been caught up in that yourself? I know I have. 
I mean, have you ever been, as a Christian, have you ever been out there just living according to the way you felt like you wanted to? And, you know, well, we're doing the best we can. You know, God don't care if, you know, we go to clubs and drink some. And God don't care if we hang out and, you know, have a little fun. And, you know, you know, you know the lifestyle of living after the flesh and all it lusts for is a mock unto God for the Christian. For the Christian not to be living for Christ, following Christ, looking for Christ to return, is a mock, whatever lifestyle it is, is a mock unto God. And we may not be saying, well, he ain't coming, he ain't, you know, we're not, a Christian not dare going to say that the Lord's not coming because all Christians want the Lord to eventually come. And uh, uh, somebody who's walking with Jesus wants the Lord to come Right now, hallelujah, those who have their faith anchored in the sacrifice and they're literally walking with their Savior in the light that he's in, they want him to come right now. Hallelujah. I be one of them. Glory to God. I don't need another kiss from my pretty wife. I got some beautiful grand boys. I don't need to see them again if it comes down between seeing them again and me signing off on Come now, Lord Jesus. My, my vote is, come now, Lord Jesus. Come now, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. You ever heard these Christians say, well, you know what? Yeah, I want the Lord to come, but I got a few more things I'd like to do. What in the world you got? You want to do more important than the Lord coming and taking you on into glory? Those statements come because of the lust of the flesh. You ain't getting out of it, my friend. You're not getting around what I just said. Those statements that we make, whether with our lips or God sees them in our heart, they're due, they're caused, those thoughts and those words are caused by the lust of the flesh. I got more my flesh. I want to do here in my flesh. And don't get me wrong. God don't have a problem with you driving up and looking at, at the pretty mountains that he's got on the earth for us to see. But if you'd rather finish your bucket list than the Lord Jesus Christ coming and taking you home into glory today in the rapture, in the resurrection, then that's a problem with a lust in flesh. Come on, somebody. It could be as bad as not even being saved. It could be as bad as trusting in some Jesus that ain't the right Jesus. I won't get into all that. I'm not the judge of the heart. I don't look upon the heart, but God does and God sees that and God sees the heart <coughs> that would rather be here another three years than going home with him in the next three seconds. He sees that heart and you can be growing out of those lustful entanglements and because if you are growing, if you are growing, meaning you are learning Christ, then that is going to result in your desire for Him to come for you now. I don't need another vacation. I don't need to attain some status and position. I need to be with Jesus. Hallelujah. Glory be to God. He says, they're going to, these scoffers, they're saying it. And again, this, they're going to be saying it with their lips, but God hears what our hearts are saying. You do understand that, don't you? That Jesus would be standing among men and that without their lips moving, 
He would answer their questions in their heart. He ain't changed. He still listens to what men's hearts are saying. Remember, he doesn't look upon the outward and he sees much deeper than what our lips speak. He sees from where the words come from and what they really mean that sometimes we don't even know. Think about that. And these mockers, they're going to be saying, where's the promise of his coming? For, because since the fathers fell asleep, since, since the fathers have died, they, they just keep dying. He still ain't come. They still die. He still ain't come. The, everybody just keeps dying generation after generation. And, and, and he still hadn't come. They're growing weary just like the Israel did when Moses up on the mountain. Well, he hadn't come down today again. He hadn't come down today again. Let's just go ahead and build a golden calf. Let's go ahead and do the work ourselves. Let's build our own object of worship. We'll put it over there by the cross. But let's build our own. We'll put it over there by, oh, of course, the cross. Don't throw out the altar of God, but let's put what we build over there by it and let's worship God. You're not going to do it, my friend. You're not going to do it in, in any way other than faith and worship, faith in the cross of Christ, which allows our worship to be in spirit and in truth and acceptable unto God. Hallelujah. You're not going to do it and get away with it. The presence of God won't be there inhabiting those praises because that is the praises of men among men if it's not faith in the sacrifice. He says, For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of the creation. And look at verse 5. For this they willingly are ignorant. Get this. They willingly are ignorant of that by the word of God the heavens were of old and the earth standing out of the water and in the water, whereby the world that then was being overflowed with water perished, but the heavens and the earth which are now by the same word are kept in store, reserved unto fire against the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. Now, we know because of what the Bible teaches, and I don't want to get into this. It's not what I'm here to teach. <clears throat> it is a teaching all of itself <clears throat> about the world that was before even Adam. <clears throat> the world where Satan was Lucifer and walked in an Eden. He walked in an Eden and, and sin was found in him. You know the story. And cast out of heaven, third of the angels went with him, <clears throat> deceived by his own lies. And something happened between Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, and verse 2 that caused the world, the earth that God had created that he did not create without form and void. Isaiah 45, 18 tells us that. But at this time, it was found without form 
and it was void. And the words written in Genesis, when you study the words that are written there in the creation you read about in Genesis, it really is referring to these things that once were being brought back into existence. And so that's what you'll... If you say, well, I just don't believe it, well, you, you don't have to believe it. But if you study the words out that are written there, you'll find it to be true. God did not create the world, the earth, uninhabitable, without form and void. He don't create anything that way. You better be glad because you're one of His creations, hallelujah, in Christ Jesus. But it became that way. And it passed away. And then... There was another flood, of course, the one that we read about in the Bible clearly in Noah's day. And here we see that these things, the Bible says, for this they willingly are ignorant of, that by the word of God, I'm reading in verse 5, that by the word of God the heavens were of old and the earth standing out of the water and in the water, whereby the world that then was being overflowed with water perished. Get this now. But the heavens and the earth which are now by the same word the word let there be light and all the creation of the the earth now is kept in store by that same word that brought it into existence. Remember Hebrews 1 and 3 says that Jesus, when he had purged us by himself from our sins, sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high and is uphold, and all things are being upheld by the word of his power. The word of his power is the word of his cross. I want you to hear that again. The word by which, let me say it, the word of his power by which he upholds all, all things is the word of his cross. I want you to know that. What gives God's, all of God's words the power they have toward us and in us and through us is that they are all found in righteousness, Proverbs 8 and 8, and His righteousness is revealed in the gospel, and the gospel is the good news of what God did in His Son by His Spirit on Calvary's cross. That's the gospel. That's where all God's words must be heard, received, and understood and it's the only avenue through which faith can come. 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 1. This like precious faith, Peter says, that we have obtained comes through righteousness. The righteousness of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. You need to write that down and look at that. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God in its righteous context. Men can twist God's Word. I did it for years myself and make it, and I held it outside 
of its righteous context. Read what happens in Romans 1.18 when you do that. But this they are willingly ignorant of, that by the Word of God, the heavens, and he look what he's talking about. He's talking about scoffers that have given up on the coming of Christ, the return of Christ. Scoffers who are living now according to their own fleshly lust. They're not living by faith in Christ and what He did at Calvary anymore. They're now just living according to their fleshly lusts. They're now scoffing, they're mocking through their lifestyles of fleshly, lustful living. Let me say that again. They're not mocking necessarily by their words, although this example is given of them saying, well, where is His coming? Our fathers just keep passing on, dying, perishing, one generation after the other. If He's coming, He'd have come by, he'd have come by now. And Peter jumps in this situation and says, now wait a minute. This is... For this they willingly, willingly are ignorant. They're not ignorant without being willfully They're choosing to willfully be ignorant of what the Scriptures promise. Hallelujah. They're willfully ignorant so they can live according to the lust of their flesh. And in that is a mock toward God for any Christian to live and to surrender to the sin nature again, to live under the lust of the flesh, is a mock in and of itself toward God. Because the cross of Christ is powerful enough, sufficient enough, that finished and perfect work is perfect and powerful enough to deliver us from anything that tries to carry us away through the lust of our flesh. Our problem is that at times we willfully choose to ignore what we say we know the cross can do just so our flesh can have its way. And we do this willfully, especially those who know that the way of possessing our vessels in sanctification and honor, we just simply choose not to go that way. See, it is a choice. Don't get caught up in that it's not a choice. Don't ever get caught up that it's not a choice to believe, because it is. If you ever get caught up in the... The, that which is, how do I say this? That which is false, that it's not a choice for you to choose to will to believe in the one object, meaning the just like you did when you were born again, my friend. You were lost and you heard the gospel and yielded to that truth. And the Lord gave you the measure of faith to continue your journey in that truth. And it's going to be that truth that you will choose to believe. See, for those of you thinking right now, well, 
you don't do it by willpower. No, you don't do it by willpower. That's right. But my Bible says, whosoever will believe. Whosoever will call on the name of the Lord. So whosoever will, your will plays a part in this, my friend. It, it, the part it plays is just to keep yielding to believing in what Jesus did in his death on the cross because that's what allowed you to yield in the first place and to believe in the first place. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever would believe in him should never perish but have everlasting life. God gave us the only yielding place that exists and that's where his son yielded unto death. Hallelujah. It, there ain't another place to yield to God except with a yielded heart believing upon the death of Jesus. You need to know that. So it is a choice either to believe, to yield. Romans 6, 16 gives you the potential child of God to who, who you going to serve, who we going to yield to. Will I yield to my flesh or will I yield to what crucified my flesh, being my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, what he did at Calvary? Don't ever move away from the reality of it being a choice. If it's not a choice, then my friend, we're all just robots. And it's not true love if somebody has to make somebody love them. That ain't true love. That's why it is a choice. Whosoever will. And here the Bible says, for this they will to be ignorant. They choose to ignore. Come on, somebody. This is what he's saying here. For this they willingly are ignorant of. They're choosing, they're willing to ignore. See, there's another word inside the word being ignorant, meaning I don't know. And it's when, when we see this willingly or ignorant, then that other word inside ignorant is put on the table for us to see. And it's the word ignore. Willfully ignoring now the scriptures to go fulfill the lust of my flesh. Come on now, let's read it. For this they willingly are ignorant of, that by the word of God the heavens were of old, and the earth standing out of the water and in the water. Think about that. Whereby the world, the world that then was, being overflowed with water, perished. But the heavens and the earth, which are now by the same word, are kept in store, reserved unto fire against the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. But beloved, be not ignorant of this one thing. There's that word again. Be not ignorant. That means God's 
telling you something through this apostle that he gave the authority to write to you about, to be able to remind you, to stir up your mind, your remembrance, to what? To the scriptures. To the scriptures. Not to remember something that happened to you out in the backyard when you were a little child that how that sheet on the clothesline moved and oh you know there's people that don't have any they don't have any truth to share but they got all these weird experiences because they're superstitious people you need to get back in the bible my friend back in the word of god let's read this and we're going to have to quit and we'll get back into this on friday morning he says in verse 8 but beloved be not ignorant Don't ignore this one thing, that one day is with the Lord as a thousand years and a thousand years as one day. Now we're going to jump right back in here this next Friday morning when we gather. And I want us to uh, make sure that we show up to Bible class and that we... And that we take off right here in verse 8 and we cover really what Peter's talking about here about one day with the Lord is as a thousand years. This one day is, one day is with the Lord as a thousand years and a thousand years is one day. That's even written in the Old Testament for us to go look at and we'll do that next time we get together. So... I hope you've been stirred. I hope your pure minds have been stirred to a place of remembrance and that you can remember Jesus said he's coming back. And you don't know the day or the hour, but you do know what you're supposed to be doing. Watching unto prayer, having your lamp filled with oil, looking for your coming Savior, looking for the appearing of the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Again, I hope you've been blessed today. I hope you'd share these teachings on social media that you wouldn't be ashamed of the gospel or the gospel preacher, teacher. And I hope that if the Lord stirs your heart to give Him an offering to support the focus of Calvary's Lamb, that you know you can do that here. It's between you and Him And you can do that at thecrosswaychurch.com or you can simply text the word GIVE to the number 903-231-5950. And you can also pray about going to that same text to GIVE number and helping us get these Bibles into the hands of the inmates who are writing to us requesting these Bibles that we are mailing 10 per week. So I encourage you to pray about that. And I pray that the Lord's touch be upon your heart today. Everything that pertains to you, everything that you're seeking the Lord for, all of that that's His will, I pray that you would experience a little bit more of that today. God bless you. We love you. We'll see you next time right here. Until then, stay determined to know absolutely nothing but Christ and Him crucified. We'll see you then.